With a thought on promises and the consequences of breaking them, here's Pastor Al Pittman. What you're doing when you say, for instance, I swear to God, well, people really know you mean business, right? But when you employ and engage the name of God in your vow, I swear by God, then you are setting God up as the avenger if you do not fulfill that vow and you place yourself in a position of judgment. Dwelling Hello and a very pleasant day to you. Welcome to The Dwelling Place with Al Pittman. Al is the senior pastor here at Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs. He'll bring us another message from his series in James today. As Pastor Al mentioned at the beginning of this series, James is one of the most practical books in the Bible. It speaks of taming the tongue, the importance of putting our faith into real action, and dealing with the hardships of life. When we suffer, we so often ask God to take the pain away. But the Lord has something greater in view than our comfort. He wants to conform us to the image of Christ. Here to point that out to us is Pastor Al in James 5. James here is reminding them and embedding in their thoughts, embedding in their thoughts examples to encourage them in their times of suffering and patience. I was reading uh, where it said uh, for many years in Monterey, California, it was known as a pelican's paradise. And as the fishermen cleaned their fish, they flung the offal, that is the innards of the fish, to the pelicans. The birds grew fat and lazy and contented. Eventually, however, the offal was utilized. And there were no longer snacks for the pelicans. When the change came, the pelicans made no effort to fish for themselves. They waited around and grew gaunt and thin. Many starved to death. They had forgotten how to fish for themselves. The problem was solved by importing new pelicans from the south, birds accustomed to foraging for themselves. And they were placed among their starving cousins, and the newcomers immediately started catching fish. Before long... The hungry pelicans followed suit, and the famine was ended. Just kind of an example of sometimes, I think sermons, for example, sometimes for some believers, they look at it as the offal that the fishermen fed to the pelicans. I come on Sunday, so Pastor, I'll throw out to us what what you have, you know, sort of studied and you have sort of poured over, you know, and we're here to receive that. And I, I hope you do receive it and all, but but. What happens is if that's all we're depending on, we forget how to fish for ourselves. We forget how to seek the Lord on our own to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. And we grow fat and lazy because we're well fed. And we think this is the the, the main meal. No, God wants to feed us each and every day. But we can, it can be a danger to us as believers that we can become fat and lazy and forget how to, to fish for ourselves. And the problem with that is that we don't know how to endure. And so, you know, we, we, we people can fall off by the wayside or whatever because, you know, all they're living on is that weekly offal that the pastor throws out into the congregation. And that's always, that's always dangerous. And so the remedy, of course, is to repent of our laziness. 
and to incorporate godly examples of spiritual endurance. And that's what James is doing here by saying, hey, you guys remember, because you're going to go through times of suffering and patience. Remember the examples. He's embedding some new pelicans. Remember the prophets of old. And then in particular, he points out Job. Job is one of those examples. We love the story of Job, do we not? Because he comes out on top at the end, right? I mean, he goes through all this suffering and patiently suffering, and he comes out on top uh, in the end. Culturally, we as Americans, we love an underdog. We love to see people win that come up from nothing, you know, and win and all. And, but uh, movies like Rocky, we like Rocky movies, you know. We uh, like to hear about, you know, Rocky winning the fight and getting into the ring and, and uh, getting beat up. I mean, I watch those Rocky movies. I mean, how many Rocky movies are there, like 19,000? <laughs> but everyone's the same way, you know, getting beat up, and then he finally comes back and, you know, come on! You know, all this kind of stuff, you know, and the harder you hit him, the tougher he gets and all that. And he comes out, he wins, you know, but you know, when you're suffering, you're going through suffering. Like we like to see that in a movie theater or whatever, but I don't know about you, but when I'm going through suffering, uh, I don't have my own theme music. Wouldn't it be great to have your own theme music when you're suffering? You know. You know, whenever you had your own theme music, you're walking down the street, people are like, what's that music coming from? You're like, I guess it's my theme music. <laughs> we don't have our own theme music. And you know what? We, we, you know, your suffering doesn't come with a, you know, a large buttered popcorn and a Coke and a recliner seat at the movie theater. And, and uh, usually our, our <laughs> suffering lasts a lot longer than 90 minutes. Amen. It's not just a picture show. It's, it's, it doesn't go, it's not over in just a moment. That's why, you know, he says to them, look, look at Job. Look at the perseverance he went through. It was a long time he suffered. But I know a lot of times when we suffer, we want our theme music going, all these other things, and we want it to be over quick. But sometimes we have to endure. We've got to learn to endure. He who endures to the end will be saved. And we must endure. But what enabled Job and the prophets of old to endure. You think about it. Well, you know, man, those guys, they were like really super spiritual. Hey, man, they really had their act together. No. Verse 11 tells us what enabled them to endure so that we now look at their lives and we call them blessed. Verse 11 tells us, the latter part, he says, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. They were able to endure because they relied upon the compassion and the mercy of God just like we must rely upon the compassion and the mercy of God. Rely upon the fact that God will never leave me nor forsake me. Rely upon the fact that God is always compassionate and merciful, that he will never run out on us. So I can get up the next day. I can move forward in my faith, amen, because of God's great compassion and his mercy. It's the same thing that uh, they relied upon. And the Bible says that Job, he persevered and saw the end intended by the Lord. What is God's end intended for you and me? That we would, would be presented blameless, faultless, with exceeding joy before his presence on a day. How is that going to happen? Because you're finally going to get your act together? No, because of God's compassion and his mercy. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy 
will follow me all the days of my life, David said, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Praise his holy name. Give God praise and glory. Amen. Lamentations 3, 22 and 24. Through the Lord's mercy, we are not consumed. Hallelujah. Because his compassions, they don't fail. They fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. Where's your hope today? If it's in your performance, you're in trouble. Is your hope in his compassion? Is it in God's mercy? Then you can endure and you're going to make it. Amen. Praise his name. Here's the last evidence of an established heart found here, and that is integrity. We have the evidence of uh, our attitude being controlled by the Lord, being affected by the Lord, and then, of course, endurance, and then, of course, lastly, integrity. And here, James says, show integrity by not swearing. Do not swear. In verse 12, he says, but above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, uh, excuse me, lest you fall into judgment. Wow. And then he says, above all things, be a person of integrity. He's talking about integrity here. Integrity, integrity does matter. Now, he's not talking about do not swear in the sense of using curse words, but do not make oaths, a solemn, what is an oath? A solemn promise by swearing either by heaven or earth. Our testimony, in other words, ought to be sufficient enough that my yes is yes and my no is no because I'm trusting God in my yes and I'm trusting God in my no. And when I began to embellish that, you know, now I'm placing myself under judgment. Now, the reason he says judgment is because in the Jewish culture, what you're doing when you say, for instance, I swear to God, well, people really know you mean business, right? But when you employ and engage the name of God in your vow, I swear by God, then you are setting God up as the avenger if you do not fulfill that vow. And you place yourself in a position of judgment because you use the name of God. Now, this was the Jewish mindset that James is, is, is coming from here and uh, that you actually place a curse on yourself when you swear by God or by heaven or by earth or whatever. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 5, it's not on the screen, but Ecclesiastes 5, 5, in the New Living Translation says, it is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Or the old, I think King Jimmy says, you know, it's better to not vow a vow than to vow a vow and then break it. You know, don't be making these vows and these oaths, if you will, you know, saying, man, I, you know, I, I swear by my mother, you know, or all this kind of stuff. Now, now the Pharisees were good at making oaths, but they had loopholes in their oaths. And this is what they would do. They would say, well, you know, I swear by heaven or earth, or I swear by Jerusalem, or I swear by my head, and all these different things. Uh, and then when someone, they don't come through, someone says, hey, man, you said you would do this, and you swore by Jerusalem you were going to do it. Eh, well, you know, but I didn't use the name of God, Yahweh. <laughs> and so you can't hold me to it. So they, they had a little loophole in there and kind of excused themselves. But what they were doing, in effect, is really they were playing with the name of God. And God's not a plaything, and a man reaps what he sows, right? 
Pastor Al will be back in a moment with the conclusion of today's message in James chapter 5. Pastor Al rarely speaks about financial matters when it comes to the dwelling place, but the reality is we need your support to continue sharing these broadcasts with the millions of people who need to hear the truth of God's love and grace. Now, I'm not just referring to financial support. Praying for us is another way, and perhaps the most important way. You can also bless us by telling a friend about the dwelling place and inviting them to listen. Now with the conclusion of today's message, titled, Evidence of an Established Heart, here's our teacher, Pastor Al Pittman. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, in regards to integrity, he says, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. And then he said, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. Because here we are trying to rely upon other resources, other things, the earth, Jerusalem, whatever, my mom, (laughs) that you're swearing by as to authenticate our yes or our no. When we ought to stand before, knowing that we stand before God, that's reason enough to do what I say. You follow what I'm saying? You got to invoke the name of your mom or, you know, whatever, you know, or Jerusalem, then you're relying upon those things. We ought to be totally relying upon God. So when you say yes, you're not just saying yes to that person, you're saying yes before God. And that's why you let Jesus let you yes be yes, you know, no. Anything else beyond that is evil because you're basically relying on an outside source to validate, you know, your commitment. When your commitment ought to be validated before the Lord. First and foremost, don't embellish your commitment. Integrity is living by and speaking the truth when a lie would give you some kind of advantage. Integrity is living by or speaking the truth when a lie would give you some kind of an advantage. You know, this tax season, I can kind of fudge a little bit. Honey, you know, how much work did we do on a house this year? Wasn't it like half a million? Yeah, right. When it was only maybe $5,000. Embellishing things. Let your yes be yes, you know, no. Speak truth. Live the truth out. The truth is important. And this is uh, James's point here is that, you know what? You rely upon the truth. Let your yes be yes, you know, no. You know, you speak, make sure it's truthful. Why? Because I'm accountable first to God. And I've learned that one of the most important words for me is the word no. It took me a long time to figure out how to say no, because I, I thought I had to say yes to everybody and what everybody wanted. Um, but to learn to say no. And then there's times I've said yes, and it's like, you know what, you're like a week out before the, the event that you said you would do or whatever, and you're going, man, why did I say that? And now you're all like, oh, man, I, you know, maybe I'll call it back. Maybe I can fake that I got a cough or something or I'm sick or whatever. And it's a no, even though it's inconvenient for me, I want my yes to be yes because I said I would do it. I want to be a man of integrity. And you follow through. Martin Luther King Jr. said this about truth and about integrity. You can say as well, he said, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. This is why right truth, temporary, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil, triumphant, close quote. So true. 
Look, something that looks like the world is winning, so I need to start maybe fudging a little bit here and compromising over here. No, you continue to do what is right, to live by truth. Let your yes be yes, your no, no. Be a man or a woman of God of integrity. Amen. The heart established in Christ is the heart of integrity. Now, here's the conclusion. The conclusion is this, is that because it's like, Pastor Al, I, I want to have a right attitude. And if you're like me, I want to have a right attitude. But my attitude isn't always right many times. I want to be a man of endurances, but yes, some days I feel like giving up. I want to be a person of integrity, but sometimes, man, I feel like I want to compromise or whatever. We want to be those things, and, and, and it's important that we are those things, but where does it begin? It begins at the cross. It begins at the cross. Not the cross, you know, I, I've been to the cross. I got saved, you know, 10 years ago. No, the cross is something that we true disciples of Christ must embrace on a daily basis. Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but it's not I, but it's Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live, I now live to the glory of God. I'm crucified with Christ. And then he goes on to say, how many, hey, Paul, how often are you crucified? He said, I die daily. Daily, wow. We must embrace the cross. If, if my attitude will glorify God, if, if I am going to be able to endure, if I'm going to be a man or a woman of integrity, I must embrace the cross. It all starts at the cross. Reverend Billy Graham was promoted to heaven this past week. 99 years old, amen. And uh, he preached the cross, and he could say cross like nobody else. The cross, amen. He preached the cross. He stayed on message. The photo up there of him and uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., they were friends. And I really have a lot of respect for uh, Billy Graham and that he <clears throat> refused to preach to segregated audiences, insisted that they be integrated. And so, you know, I, I just thank him for his example that he stayed on message, he preached the cross because he knew that the cross was mankind's only true remedy. And it's the only real pathway for us as believers as disciples of Jesus Christ. It is Christianity 101. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross, how often? Daily. And follow me. This is the essential step to having our hearts established in Christ. So, Pastor, where I began, what I began, I mean, my attitude toward my wife is not right or this and that, you know, I don't feel, I feel like I want to quit Come back to the cross. Embrace the cross. This is what A.W. Tozer said about the cross. He said, in every Christian's heart, there is a cross and a throne, and the Christian is on the throne till he puts himself on the cross. If we refuse the cross, we, he remains on the throne. If he refuses the cross, he remains on the throne. Perhaps this is the bottom of the backsliding and worldliness among gospel believers today we want to be saved but we insist that christ do all the dying no cross for you for us no dethronement no dying we remain king within the little kingdom of man soul of ourselves and wear our tinsel crown with all the pride of caesar but we doom ourselves to shadows and weakness and spiritual sterility Close quote. Amen. The cross does not call us to change ourselves, but to die to ourselves that God might transform us. 
and establish our hearts in Jesus. Only then can a marriage truly be healed. Only then can a house truly be a home. Only then can we be salt and light for the world. Only then can we truly serve one another. Galatians 5.13 says, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. An established heart is a surrendered heart. And a surrendered heart is a servant's heart in Christ. Amen. I want to show you the example, a man who had a surrendered heart, a man who had an attitude that glorified God, a man who endured, a man of integrity, and that is Billy Graham. He glorified the cross, and that's all he preached. He got off message for a little while back in the Nixon administration, and he repented of that. And every preacher I see who began to preach politics rather than Christ soon fail. Mark my words on it. Make sure the message from this pulpit and from your life is always the cross. That's our only message. Do you know for certain if you were to die today that you would go to heaven? Do you have the hope of heaven? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Well, you can know because of the cross the cross of Jesus Christ. And whether you're watching online or you're in the overflow areas, if you do not know Jesus Christ today, we want to give you an opportunity to come to Christ, to open your heart to him by simply taking a step of faith. And that step of faith is to stand to your feet right now. And I will lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Is there anyone here in this auditorium, you're watching online, you can click a button online there and uh, we will get in touch with you. Anybody upstairs? Is there anybody standing upstairs? Maybe one of the guys let me know if there's anybody standing upstairs. But wait just a couple of moments. If there's someone online, simply pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you're risen from the dead. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I receive you today as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making me a brand new creation in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You're tuned in to The Dwelling Place with pastor and author Al Pittman, senior pastor at Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. If you enjoy Pastor Al's teaching ministry, we have some good news for you. You can download our current series in the Book of Acts and an archive of past messages with a simple mouse click at cwccs.org. Just click the Messages tab at the top of the page. And be sure to download the Calvary Worship Center app for your device and take Pastor Al wherever you go. The Dwelling Place is also available at oneplace.com. And I would also like to ask you to take a few moments today to send Pastor Al an email and let him know that you enjoy the dwelling place on this station. You can also share a prayer request with us. Just send an email to amen at cwccs.org. Did you know that the dwelling place is a listener-supported ministry? We count on your support to keep this radio ministry going and growing. You can support this program with a one-time gift or become a monthly supporter. If you'd like to join our support team, you can do so at our website, cwccs.org.
or by texting the word GIVE to 719-354-2778. If you live in the Colorado Springs area and are looking for a church home, or you'll be visiting the area in the future, we invite you to come join us for worship here at Calvary Worship Center. You'll find directions and more information at cwccs.org. And no matter where you are, you can watch our services via live streaming right there at our website. You'll find directions and service times for both locations at cwccs.org. Have a wonderful day in the Lord, and join us next time for another study in the Book of Acts. The Dwelling Place with Pastor Al Pittman is presented by Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado.